Blog Talk Radio.
M-A-U-N-107.com proudly present to you the Health Tip of the Day. Well, today's Healthy Tip of the Day features ginger root tea, known for its natural common effect on reducing stress and increasing circulation while supporting healthy blood flow. Always know that it's important to consult your doctor before administering any treatments. The Keys, with your hostess, Sister Lafika Mohammed. Welcome, welcome to another bright, sunny Saturday here in the Big Apple, coming to you live from the headquarters of the Keys 107, opening doors to endless possibilities, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before we get started with today's show, and I'm not going to take a lot of time because we got two brothers on the line ready to go and, and give you some solutions to part of the problem that's happening in our community but as always, before we begin that segment, I've got to give you a recap of what's happening in our archives. Featured in our archives are last week's show, which featured journalist, author, playwright, Peter Bailey, and journalist, talk show host, Brother Leroy, known as the communicator, who shared some poignant perspectives on the role of, black, of the black press and its input in the community historically and in the 21st century. They talked about the horrific murder of Emmett Till, and the printing of his photograph in the July 1964 issue of Jet Magazine, which was a pivotal point in galvanizing the forces during the civil rights movement in terms of the black press and our stamp and how we present the information to the community. And it's just an example of the power and the impact of the print media. Take it or leave it alone. Listen to the archive show for more information. And also archived are the Entrepreneurs of New York, Greg J.G. Jones, and Dr. DeForest B. Soares, Jr., author of Defree, Breaking Free from Financial Slavery. And just to let you know and to remind you that the keys are available 24-7 via Blog Talk Radio's website or download it on your smart, on your smart device app. And this show is brought to you by our featured sponsor today, which is The Fluff. Present the alphabet. Today we're going to bring you two men, men among men, who inspire hope for a better community, who will talk about their efforts to build community and stop the violence and stop the crime through a movement called Peacekeepers Global Initiative. As we approach the 17th anniversary of the historic Million Man March, the Day of Atonement, it is on time that we talk to Dennis Muhammad, who was the captain of Muhammad Mosque No. 7 in 1995 in Russell Simmons. Before we begin, I'd like to share some background about Captain Dennis. Uh, Captain Dennis, whose legacy began with his over 30-year unsurpassed history working in the Nation of Islam as captain of men. His community, he's a community organizer and sensitivity training consultant for law enforcement. He was and is inspired by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, especially with the Million Man March's call for the black man's commitment to affect change within the black community. He is the founder and the CEO of ENOTA, and I'm going to take a chance and say that's ENOTA, 
Project as well as the Peacekeepers Global Initiative. He's been in the streets talking and inspiring a renewed energy in the cease crime and killing of by igniting a movement of people, people and problem solvers called the Peacekeepers Global Initiative. Also, we have Brother Russell Simmons, the busiest man in show business or the godfather of hip-hop, a native New Yorker from Queens. He is a legend in the genesis of hip-hop and the founder of Death Jam Records and Death Comedy Jam as a promoter, producer, and community organizer, community organizer. And, of course, we all know him as a successful entrepreneur. He's known for his philanthropic initiatives, for breaking barriers and building empires such as Fat Farm, Rust Communications, and, of course, the Rush Card. <laughs> Russell Simmons is known to be outspoken and present when issues of injustice prevail, like Occupy Wall Street and now the Peacekeepers Global Initiative, always with a cap and a smile. Welcome. Welcome to the Keys, opening doors of endless possibilities, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And today's topic focuses on the state of the black community. What will it take to rebuild, and can it be rebuilt? Welcome, Captain Dennis Muhammad and Russell Simmons. Captain Dennis? Well, thank you so much. First and foremost, always giving honor and praise to God for allowing me another chance to correct yesterday's mistakes. I want to greet you all in the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Um, before we get in, in, the, in the depth and the scope of the Peacekeepers Global Initiative, I have to start off by asking you, um, what is the INOTA product and a project? And is it is it an acronym or is that INOTA? It's INOTA. INOTA is an acronym. It's a tone spelled backwards. Uh, in 1995, of course, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan inspired me to um, get involved in an area that I was pretty much instrumental in, in when I was the East Coast Regional Captain in New York. Uh, some of the men on this line uh, were with me when I used to do sensitivity training with the NYPD. And, of course, what I wind up doing is making it my business to give sensitivity training to law enforcement. The acronym ENOTA stands for Educating Neighborhoods to Obey Those in Authority. That is the community sensitivity training because as law enforcement needs sensitivity training, our community needs sensitivity training. But the sensitivity training for law enforcement is called AT1. It's A-T-O-N-E. Now, of course, AT1 stands for Alternative Training Offered for Neighborhood Enforcement. That's what we give the police department. We give them an alternative training that they may use as they enforce the law in our community. So the community sensitivity training is ENOTA, which is a tone spelled backwards. And the law enforcement sensitivity training is really a tone, but it's A-T with a dash, O-N-E. Every now and then one of those law enforcement would get smart and says, hey, Captain Mohammed, that's a tone. I said, no, it's a, at one. We're trying to make you at one with the community. You know, you, you um, hit on a point that I wanted to definitely um, bring out um, in, in, in our conversation because we are approaching on October, the weekend of October 13th, the um, 17th anniversary 
of the Million Man March and the, the Holy Day of Atonement, that atone um, component is not the component that has been prevalent in recaps and summaries and retrospective dialogue about the Million Man March. And I think it's very um, interesting and superb of you to have no uh, to have named your um, movement or your uh, project Inoda. Well, it was very important. I, I thought that a lot of the things that created the problem in our community is due to the fact that we have not atoned. That was the major piece of the Million Man March over 17 years ago. The minister took us there to Washington, D.C., and had us as men to atone for the lack of being fathers, to atone to our women for not being the husbands and the men that we should have been, to atone to one another as brothers for us not being brothers to one another, and, of course, to atone to God. So I thought what better way to get our people into a training than to be able to give them something that's called atone. And I just thought I'd bring our people through the back door, so I flipped it. But atonement is a very important piece. We know it's eight steps to it. And, of course, it's coming up again this year. Uh, we all take this opportunity to uh, atone. And uh, it's a refreshing, it's, it's a, cleansing, clean, a cleansing that we go through at least once a year. And so anyone that we have wronged, whether be friend, whether be family member, or whether be just someone that you know that over the years you have not done the right thing, your children, we take this opportunity to atone. Hmm. Now, the, the Peacekeepers Global Initiative, I know that all of these components equal one for you, but let's just, um, let's just sub, subcategorize it just for the... The, the the way we present the information to the community. Uh, what is the Peacekeepers Global Initiative, and what are its principles, its mission, and its objectives? Well, the Peacekeepers Global Initiative is an uh, as like it is. It's an initiative that is designed to be an action plan for those organizations that desires to curb crime and violence in their community. I started the Peacekeepers Global Initiative a little over four years ago, and its mission is to call men in particular and our community in general to accept the responsibility to be present in the community as a deterrent for crime. We believe that it is a moral obligation of the men to protect the women and children of the community. And so the Peacekeepers Global Initiative is asking the men, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republic, whether you're old school, new school, whether whatever your political persuasion, your racial persuasion, your religious persuasion, Christian or Muslim, we're calling all men to become peacekeepers, to go into our communities and the worst part of our communities and give at least one hour of your time a week to be present for peace. And our objective is to win back the respect of our young people who are out there dying at the hands of one another over senseless reasons. We believe that we do not go out there in the community to judge our young people, 
That is the most important part of being the peacekeepers. We're not going out there acting as if we're the police. We're not the police. We're not going out there to act like we're the father that has not been in their life all their life, and now we want to tell them what to do. We go out there, and I love one of the things that y'all say. We use the principle of love and kindness. We believe, as Jesus said, with love and kindness, I draw thee. So we believe that if we apply love and kindness to our young people, we can draw them to a better way of life. So the Peacekeepers Global Initiative is an action plan. It's not an organization. And if you're if you're interested in trying to curb violence, it is one of the best, if not the best, besides what the nation doing, action plan to do it. So how do you define peace, Brother Dennis? Well, peace is the absence of conflict. Peace is the absence of war. I define peace. All conflict are not violent. And peace is an is when one is at harmony with the will of God. When you are at harmony at the, and, and in unity with the will of God, the byproduct of submitting to God's will is peace. As we say, peace is the absence of war. Peace is the absence of conflict. And so we believe that our community is at war, and we believe that we have much conflict in our life. So we're not just saying that all conflict is violent, but we do believe that we need to solve some of the social conflicts that creates uh, chaos and violence and disharmony and disunity and disorder in our life. Well, I think it's um, um, one of the most concrete and clear definitions I heard um, uh, explained verbally about what is peace, because everybody's definition of peace may differ. So what I may consider peace, you may not consider peace. And um, you mentioned earlier that it's not a organization, it's an action plan. And what is the action plan? Can you just take a moment and outline some of the key components of the action plan? I mean, you well, can have all the do. time you want, Brother Dennis. You know that, right? We're <laughs> <laughs> not going to stop what, you, so. <laughs> what, we, what we have realized, my brothers who I, I can't even express the mad love of the men that's on this line, Brother Forrest, Brother James, Brother Jason, these men knew me as one of the minister's top soldiers. I always try to live my life as an example of what that man has taught us. But they know when you call me Captain Dennis, that is a title that is afforded to the men who is responsible in the development and the reformation of the training of the men in Islam. I can truthfully say that I am a repairman. That is my profession. I repair men. I am a product of repair. Muhammad found me toe up from the floor up, and there was a captain that repaired me. And so I realized that as we go to repair our community, it must start with repairing men. And so we called all of the men in 1995, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, he called for one million men. Two million men showed up. 
and the minister had us to take a pledge. And when we took that pledge, crime dropped in every major city in America. And that let me know that when the black man make up his mind that we can stop crime and violence, well, that, that lasted for a minute, and then after that, we went back to business as usual. I felt that those two million men were still out there. Yes. And so I started the Peacekeepers four years ago to call those men back to active duty. And so I went around the country. And when I first got started, I was called into New Orleans. Minister Willie invited me into New Orleans because there was a man that had slit the throat of his three-year-old son because he did not want to pay child support. Mm. And to think that a man, one of us, would reduce ourselves to such a low level that we would kill our own child. So we went in, and out of that, I started the first chapter of the Peacekeepers in New Orleans. I looked in an audience and there was about 300 men present, and I took it upon myself that day to ask each and every one of those men, do you want to see peace in the community? Raise your hand. And they raised their hand. Mm -hmm. I said, do you want to see peace in your home? And every one of them raised their hand. I said, do you want to see peace in the world? And they raised their hand. And I said, don't you want peace? of mine, and everyone raised their hand. Then I said, then stand up and become a peacekeeper. Let us now go into these streets and be present for peace. We don't want you to do nothing but give us 60 minutes of your time. We call it the hour of power. Not one hour a day, but one hour a week. I felt I made one hour for the very reason I wanted to be attainable. I believe it would be very difficult for any man to say he don't have 60 minutes in a week to be able to make, to be present, to make our community safe for our women, our children, and our elderly. So every one of those men raised their hand and said they can give 60 minutes of their time. And then I said, well, being a captain, I know I would never want to put untrained men into the streets. No more do we have put an untrained soldier into the streets with the final call newspaper. Uh I have on this line three of the baddest lieutenants that Muhammad could have in his arsenal. Those men knew that in order To be able to get a great product, it has to come from great training. So they sent the men to a manhood training we call FOI training and prepared those men to be the men now that most of our people see that's out on those streets and their suits and their bow ties and their fearless men. They were not always, we were not always like that. But it took men like Brother James. It took men like Brother Forrest. It took men like First Officer Brother Jason who transformed the lives of many men. So I knew before I would put these brothers and sisters on these, these 
violent streets, I have to give them some training. So we give the peacekeepers a six weeks training, dear sister, and in those six weeks training, we give them training in CPR and first aid, then we give them training in self-defense, and then we give them training in the hallmark of what we call the nation, the proper hand of the people. We sincerely believe that if you're going to put the people on a violent street, they need to know life-saving skills. Hmm. We believe that it's better to know it and not have to use it than have to use it and don't know it. Hmm. So each peacekeeper knows CPR and first aid. Then we teach them self-defense. Every city have a brother that's in the arts. Now, we don't teach them kicks. We're not trying to give them a belt. We're not trying to put them in no tournament. All we're trying to do is to give men and women a training that will produce the kind of confidence that would make them believe they would be able to defend themselves if they're ever attacked. All we teach, sister, is basic moves on how to get out of a hole and how to put somebody in a hole. And, of course, in every chapter, there's always that one that just want to go run and get help. We even train them how to run. We just have to tell them, just come back. That's all we ask. When you go help, just come back. And then yes. after we give them the three phases of training, the third, second phase of training, the third phase, to me, is the hallmark. We teach our people the proper handling of people. Why? Yes. Because we don't want to go out there with the kind of language that would incite our people to what we call confrontational language. Confrontational language is this kind of language. We take them back to the streets. That's confrontational language. You got to pull up your pants. That's confrontational language. You know, you're going to have to stop selling dope around here. We're going to stop them from selling dope. That's confrontational language. We teach our people the proper handling of people. And what we teach them is love and kindness. We teach them don't be judgmental. Don't go out there and try to tell these young men to pull up their pants. Don't go out there and try to tell them what not to do. Just be what the minister told us to be. You don't have to condemn a dirty glass. Just sit a clean glass beside them. We oh. teach the, the men and the women who are peacekeepers, go out there with a smile. When you go out there and you see the brothers on the corners and you got your shirt, we have a bright orange shirt, and on the front of the shirt it says, I am present for peace. Well, why is that so important that we have that on the front of the shirt and not on the back of the shirt? And the very reason why we have I am present for peace on the front of the shirt is the very reason why Mr. Muhammad taught us how to go out there in a suit and a bow tie. This is what the brothers love. We are taught, sister, that a person will see you before they hear you. That's why light travels faster than sound. That means they're going to see you. So that means that if you come a certain way, if they see you in a certain way, then that's the way they're going to deal with you and see what you have to say. If I approach these young men dressed like a bum, then they're going to, you know, they're not, they don't want to hear nothing i got to say. But if I'm dressed, as we say, suited and booted, then, you know, hey, okay, that's one of the brothers, okay. And if I come and I'm in an orange shirt and you don't know what my intentions are and you're seeing 50 to 60 men walking up on you in this bright orange, and then when we get close, you see these words, I am present for peace. It just de-escalates anything that they may have in their mind. They say, oh, okay, okay, 
brother being present for peace. And the reason why, and then I say to the young brothers when they see us, how you doing, brother? My name is Brother Dennis, and I'm a peacekeeper, man. Oh, brother, the only reason why we're out here is that we want to guarantee for one hour while we're here that our women are safe, our children are safe, our seniors are safe. You can appreciate that, can't you, brother? And I've never had a young man say no. They are, they're, oh, yes, sir, yes. Well, brother, you could join us. Sometimes they join us. Sometimes if they sell and don't, they just walk away. We always know how to break up a corner, right, soldiers? We tell you, they used to wonder, how did the Muslims able to sit there and take over a drug corner? All we got to do is walk on that corner where they're selling drugs and start talking about God. <laughs> they start walking away. As soon as you start, hey, man, let's talk about the Lord. Man, how can you want to talk about God when you acting like the devil? So scriptures say darkness must flee when light comes. So when we go out there as peacekeepers, when peace is present, violence is absent. When peace comes, you can drive you can't drive out violence with violence. You can only drive out violence with peace. You can't drive out hate with hate. You can only drive out hate with love. You can't drive out darkness with darkness. You can only drive out darkness with light. And that's what we come. We come saying to our brother, we don't even come saying, what are you out here doing? We don't even use the term, we come to stop the killing. Because, dear family, we would never be able to stop killing. We're not saying we're out here to stop the violence, because we'll never stop the violence. As long as people are not serving God, you're going to have killing. As long as people are not submitting to God, you're going to have violence. So what we say is, we are here to promote peace. We are here, brother, to bring love from above. We are here, brother, to bring unity in the community. See, those are attainable goals. We don't use defeating language. So we able to we able to create an environment of peace. We have the power to do that. We're able to bring love to our young people. We have the power to do that. And we do bring unity in the community because the peacekeepers are women peacekeepers. We have a Jewish rabbi peacekeeper. We have white peacekeepers. We have a Peacekeepers. We have all kinds of peacekeepers. So we have shown that we are bringing unity in the community. So those are the three major trainings that we give. And once they go through that six weeks training, then we give them their beautiful bright orange shirt. Then we take their picture. They take that picture and we give them a peacekeeper's ID. And once they get the peacekeeper's ID, now they are official peacekeepers. And what we do, we hold a press conference, and then we bring the media, and we introduce to that city, these are your peacekeepers. Give them a round of applause because tomorrow they're going to go into, and we name the area to do their one-hour power. And, man, we go into that community the next day. The press is out there. Everybody's feeling good when they see the peacekeepers coming down the street. The women are applauding. Everybody's going peace. And then we begin to inspire hope back into our community, and then we call that a peacekeeper's chapter, and then Brother Dennis moves on to the next city. Now, Brother Dennis, the, um, the statement that you have printed on, on most of your, um, your, your jackets and, and your shirts, I am present for peace. Tell me how that sentence, that statement came about. Oh, sister, that's a good question. I one day... 
was on my Facebook. Everybody know I'm a Facebook guru. I don't know. I'm so I got that. <laughs> I I'm gonna tag your page. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got it. I got it real bad. But you know, I've learned to use that social network not for foolishness and madness. Anybody know Brother Dennis? They know I put that Facebook to work. But yes, what I done one day was I wanted all of the peacekeepers men to check in. So I put it out there on my Facebook. I need all the peacekeepers to check in. And when you check in, just say you present for peace. And then they would check in. Captain Dennis, Atlantic City, so-and-so, so I'm present for peace. And that's how we came up with the word, I'm present for peace. It was such a catchy thing, you know. It was just them checking in. You know how you in school, you say, so-and-so, present, so-and-so, mm-hmm. present. So mm-hmm. I was Broke telling all, all of yeah, it was roll call. That's what it was. And I was asking all the peacekeepers to, to check in. And I said, every peacekeeper, just let me know you're present for peace. And so one brother said, Captain, I'm present for peace. So-and-so down here in Mississippi, I'm present for peace. So it became the best cliche. And matter of fact, sister, only God could have put that in my heart and mind because now it is one of the most known sayings everybody is being present for peace, and it is one probably the most sellable shirts that we have out there. So that's how we came up with I'm present for peace. Now, now, Brother James has a statement or a question, but before he gets there, I have to ask you, because I know I'm going to forget as we get deeper into this, the color orange. How did that come about as opposed to red or blue? (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you why I chose the color orange. I thought about the security, about the the peacekeepers, the men and women who were going to be out there. And I wanted them to wear orange, where orange is probably one of the most visibly seen colors from a distance. Mm. I realized that the color orange is why they use orange in construction. When you see most of anything under construction, you see the color orange. You see the orange cones in the highway. You see the orange side. And I thought that the orange was so befitting because when you do see the peacekeepers and you do see that orange, it is saying that our community is under construction. That's what we're saying. We also know that the color orange means to proceed with caution. So when you see us, be very cautious about running up on us. We also know that the orange, the color orange is also in, 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 in any language, it is probably the most happiest of all colors. And it does represent the sun. The sun, I think, is a little bit more orange than it is red, but I think that I couldn't have came up. It's just a beautiful, bright, I'm telling you, if you see any, any I mean, I'm so, I got the orange so bad. I got it so bad. I can't. <laughs> I can't look at the color orange and not think it's a peacekeeper. I see by the orange. I, I, I got it so bad. I, I, my, my whole wardrobe did in turn orange. I'm an orange man. And mm. so, but it is a very, oh, man, it's just a beautiful color. Yes, and God is. gave it to us. And when you see it, like we've seen it uh, when Brother Jason with us, wasn't it awesome, Brother Jason, when Sunday, I mean, to see that sea of oh, orange. Oh, yes, sir. And it, and if you see one person move away from that orange, you can see them moving away.
you can you can spot them. So it was a color that God again inspired me to to come up with the right color, and it's a beautiful. And people love the color orange, and it works so well for us. See, brother, brother uh, Dennis, it's, it's my intention when people leave this um, conversation that we're having today, they clearly understand that every component in the Peacekeepers Global Initiative is well put together. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Bro. Oh, brother brother Gavin, this is Brother James, and I want to say, Brother, I'm very honored to be on the line with you because soldiering with you, I know what you're bringing to the table for the brothers and the Peacekeepers and I know that there's men out here who have questions for you that are on the line who want to just um, uh, shout you out or ask you a question. They're all over the place, brother, all over the globe calling in. So I want to ask our illustrious engineer to take on the first caller. Brother Captain, are you prepared to to answer some questions from our, our, our callers that are on the line? Of course, of course. I'll be honest. Okay, Brother Forrest, let's give uh, Brother Captain the first caller in. Caller, are you on the line? Please identify yourself. You know, uh, Brother James and, and Captain Dennis, we have um, Brother Saeed Shabazz from the final call on the line. Saeed, are you there? Brother Saeed, are you there? Brother Saeed, your mic is live. Are you there? This is Brother Shahid. 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 Right. From D.C. Right. Originally from number number seven. Originally from New York. I'm in D.C. Calling in. Uh, Brother Captain Dennis, man, I love you. I love you so much, man. You know you were my first <laughs> regional captain, and uh, I hear you uh, had you verbalize it, and I hear the word orange, and I have the same problem saying orange because I'm from New York City, but... Um, I love you so much. I love what you're doing, and we want you in D.C. you got to come here, brother. you got to come here and do what you're doing all over the place, man. You you know, your presence your presence for peace is needed here because these young brothers are off the chain in Maryland and D.C., and, uh, you know, what you're doing is down to earth. And, um, again, I love you so much, man. Even when I was an orange man, even when I was at, at SU, Syracuse University, the presence was up there. You you were in Buffalo, correct me if I'm wrong. That's uh, right, that's right. Uh, Minister Kennedy and, and uh, that's right. Oh, country. you go way back. With Kennedy, uh, boy, you go way back. We go back to like 81, 82. So, yeah, uh, woo. thank you so much, man. Love you so much, brother. Appreciate and what I you love do. you. I love you more, brother, and I'm planning to come to D.C. I was invited to be a panelist at the State of the Black Race that is done every year by Ron Daniels and our great emeritus, Dr. Leonard Dunstan. I don't know it's going to be at Howard University, but our brother, Brother Carlos, who everybody knows, uh, uh, um, I think, do for self, he's invited me, hopefully, to uh, Baltimore to uh, come and bring that I'm present for peace walk there. So I'm hoping within that same time to hit Baltimore and to come right on into D.C. And inshallah, if I come in, in D.C., we definitely want to start a peacekeeper chapter in the great city of D.C. Inshallah. Inshallah. The only other thing I'm going to say in closing, because I know time is short, 
Um, I don't know if you know about the VH1 documentary I worked on with AZ Faison. We're up for two Emmys. October 1, we're going to do something at the 4040 Club in recognition of the uh, two Emmy nominations. But that's that whole movement that's coming out of that with the hip-hop piece and stopping the drugs on the street and all that good stuff, man, I would love to have you present uh, for that function so we can talk more about that. But I'm going to talk with Brother Kadir and Brother uh, Aaron you know, Brother Mr. Kadir, Brother Captain Aaron, to see uh, what we can do to get you in D.C., brother. Um, I got your number. We're going to make it happen, man. Please, I'll be so, brother. I love my family there in the Mid-Atlantic, man, and whatever I could do, man, I'm definitely present for peace, brother. And that, and I'm and congratulations on y'all coming up on that documentary. I think that there's no way that we could talk about hip-hop and don't talk about the nation of Islam's influence That's right. in hip-hop. There's not, uh, brother, not brother one Shahid. artist. Brother Shahid yes, Allah, I, I thank you so much, and, and please excuse me for mistaking you for someone else. I'm clear who you are right now. Yes, um, thank you so much for calling in. And I just have a um, question, Brother um, Dennis, from one of our chat room participants, and that person wants to know what is the age um, for a person wanting to get involved? Oh, there's no age. Is there a limit? You know, mm. Well, you know, we, we you know, if you about Nine or ten, you know what I'm saying? But you know, I mean, there's no limit. I mean, we want we got youth peacekeepers. We got uh, we got youth peacekeepers coming out of um, and I can't it 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 it, 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 it me now to think about the school in Mount Vernon, New York. We have about 25 kids out yet. We are called youth junior peacekeepers. So we have junior peacekeepers. But there's no limit to uh, our teenagers, our adults, our elders. If you just want to be a peacekeeper, you're a peacekeeper. Okay. And we have another chat room question. Um, says, can you tell us about the history of your working with the brothers and sisters in the Christian community? Oh, well, you know, listen, most of every peacekeeper chapter uh, came out of the church. The church was the instrumental piece of how we did the training in the organization of the peacekeepers and that was due to the fact that because I have been with the Honorable Minister Farrakhan for over 33 years, I know the mad love that the minister has for the Christian family. I know the mad love that the minister has for the preachers. And I made it my business that we're not going to go nowhere, nowhere as a people without the black church. The black church is the oldest institution we have in our community. And I wanted to make sure that we tied the knot with our Christian family. And so we have a, most of 98% of the peacekeepers are Christians. I'm going to say that again. 98% of the peacekeepers are Christians. They find the values of what they believe and taught by Jesus to be peacekeepers' values. Savior's Day two years ago, the minister quoted one of the the attitudes of Jesus, and it was, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are called the children of God. Well, we are that. We are the peacemakers because you can't keep peace unless you first make the peace. And Mm -hmm. every community we go, we make the peace, then we come behind that and we keep the peace. So our Christian family, I I, I love them so much, and uh, I refuse, like the minister taught us, I refuse to be divided by 
uh, our Christian families. So they play the preacher plays a very critical role in um, helping with the peacekeepers, and you normally use their church for us to hold our meetings. And when we do the training, we normally do the training in a church. Now yes, we have um, Brother Dennis. Um, Brother Dennis, we have uh, Brother Tahir from the Brooklyn Peacekeepers on the line. Oh, he's been on hold for so long. I don't want to lose him. Brother Tahir, move forward. Yes, how you doing, beloved? I'm present for peace. I'm Brother Tahir from the Brooklyn Peacekeepers. Um, I from peace and blessings to everyone on the line. How y'all doing, family? All right, Brother Tahir. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum, brother. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm from the Brooklyn Peacekeepers. And uh, I met Brother Captain Dennis, had to be some years back, and the brother inspired me to do more in my community. He, uh, we actually go out for like an hour every Saturday, and I actually, me and some other brothers, uh, Brother Jesse, uh, Brother Barry out of Brooklyn, we, we try to keep the, the, the peace within the community by offering ourselves as peacekeepers to the community. Uh, brother Captain Dennis, in truth, has just been awe-inspiring to us all. Anybody that knows the man, knows the man, comes with love and peace from his heart. The man has helped me in ways as an individual that has helped me to want to get out in the community and do the same that he does with other people. As you can tell, I'm outside on the street right now. But uh, I just wanted to offer my love and extend my, 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 my heartfelt feelings to the brother for all he has done in Brooklyn and, and throughout the United States of America. He's a major brother. Uh, he's one of my Facebook friends, as he uh, spoke on earlier. And uh, the bottom line is the work that he's trying to do and, and the work that we are doing is going to make a change in this community. Well, Thank you, Brother Tahir. We love you, brother. We love you, too, sir. You know that. Yes. All right. The, uh, the Keys family and the Peacekeeper family, be advised, we have to take a, a commercial break, but when we come back, Brother Captain, there's still callers on the line that want to reach out and, and talk to you, and then we got a few other questions that we want to pose you as you're on the line. So let's take us to break, and when we come back, we'll go right to the questions for those who are still holding on the line for Captain Dennis and the Peacekeepers. You really don't understand, do you? Hey, man, don't you realize in order for us to make this thing work, man, we've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushes and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean. Hey, look, nobody's pushing me anyway, okay? I mean, not you, not the cops, nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushes, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. John, can you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? We gotta come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work on people. Look, nobody's closing me out of my business. Because of serious economic times, there's been an increase of violence and crime. Most of its victims have been women and youth. There must be a collective effort for all of the grassroots organizations and social agencies to bring peace to these communities. Peace is the common denominator that allows us to transcend above religious, political, and racial differences. We also believe that peace is not just the absence of war or violence, but peace is the absence of conflict. All conflicts are not violent. We must work together as peacekeepers to eliminate these conflicts to create an environment of peace. I am present for peace. 
www.thepeacekeepers.org.
Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Survival got me bugging, but I'm alive on arrival. I beat back the shape of the streets to stay awake to the ways of the world. Captain Dennis, uh, we thank you for giving so much of your time and, and helping us to clarify any misconceptions about what the the Peacekeepers Global Initiative is, and um, one of the questions that did come up in the chat room was um, how many cities are you connected with or that are you active in right now? We're active in 19 cities in one country, which is uh, London, England. Mm. Now, what was, what was the community's first reaction when you came into the community talking about I am present for peace? I mean, because, you know, there's this misconception going on that the people in the black community just really don't care, and that's one of the reasons why this violence and crime is so prevalent, because we just don't care. Well, that's that's not true. You know, I, I mean, people don't care what you know. They just want to know that you care. Mm. If we came into a community showing love, our people know when you really care about them. Any child knows when a person really care about them versus they don't care about them. We have been received so um, well. I can't even tell you of any community where we were not received well. We're received, you know, there there is some suspicion when we come into a community by the law enforcement, and there is some suspicion when we come into the community by the politicians. So what I have made it my business to do, that if someone brought me to their city, one of the first matter of business before I talk to the town hall meeting or the community or the citizens of that community, I must first meet with the mayor and the local leadership and the law enforcement first. Every meeting is preceded by a meeting that uh, first with the law enforcement and the mayor. So when I meet that morning with the mayor, his staff, <coughs> and some community other organizations, I get a chance to <coughs> present to them the Peacekeepers Initiative. And once they hear it, you know, and it happens in every city I go, when we say to the mayor, say to the law enforcement, that we're not here looking for anybody to fund us, and then soon the mayor says, soon we say to the mayor, wipe his brush, but thank God now you got my attention. Because they always think people want some money. We're there because we have no option but to make our community safe. We tell the law enforcement who may think that we try to be like the guardian angels. They have a different approach. They look. They try to be more like the police. We're not the police. I have to say to the law enforcement community, no, sir, we're not the police. We're not trying to be the police. We don't act like the police. We just out there being present for peace. We don't carry no weapons. We respect the police. And so once we say that, then they feel comfortable. They say, oh, okay. Then when we say to the community organizations that we're not bringing nobody into your community, we're not bringing another group 
into your community. The men and women who will become peacekeepers are men and women who are from your community. We don't bring foreigners into another city. We don't bring peacekeepers. We raise the peacekeepers so the local organizations, then they'd be more, oh, okay, we thought you coming in as if you trying to start another. No, 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 no. So we have to be able to very clearly define our role and our purpose before we talk to the community. Now, once we do that, then at the town hall meeting, the mayor normally show up, the police chief normally show up because they know that we're not coming to outshine them or try. We're coming to uh, uh, lend into the work they're trying to do to curb the senseless violence. So they find us friendly users. They find us it's not a Muslim initiative. This is a people's initiative. This is a human initiative. And so once we do that, then the, the community is, is where they see the mayor sitting up there, they see the police sitting up there, they see some of the community leaders sitting up there endorsing this initiative, then the rest is, is easy. Mm. So there, there's been a, a good synergy between you, the community, and the police. That's also something that people would step back and say, prove it, show it, because the police kind of have a different feeling in our community today. Well, you know, one of the things that I do have an advantage, and that is because I've trained over 13 police departments in the country in sensitivity, I pretty much know the mindset of those men and women in law enforcement. And because I've given sensitivity training over 25 years now, I have a great respect for the men and women who are committed to public safety. But then again, I understand the frustration that people in law enforcement have, especially as it relates to our community. I understand that they can never stop crime and violence because crime and violence is a social problem. And police officers are not social workers. As Dr. Omar Johnson said, one of our great scholars, he says that uh, lack of jobs and lack of education is the mother and father that gives rise to crime and violence. Well, yeah. if, that's the, if that's what gives rise to crime and violence, mm -hmm. the mother and father that give birth to is lack of jobs and lack of education, then police officers are not going to give you no job. Police officers are not going to give you no education or, or foster that. So we understand that it takes the community and all of the social organizations to work on eradicating the social conditions that gives rise to crime and violence. So because I understand that with law enforcement, I have to I understand that they know it takes the community. Another piece that's very crucial is that I don't know about the history of that particular police department in one of those cities that I may go in. So I'm not quick to align myself up and the peacekeepers with that police department because if that police department historically have a history of racial profiling, have a history of, of excessive force we call today uh, police brutality, then I don't want to associate the peacekeepers with a department that, shouldn't, that does not respect its citizens. I don't care about the police department. But if the, if the police department or the commander has a genuine, sincere desire to see crime and violence eradicated in the community, then we're willing to work with them as we do this work. But I first have to say that to them. I first, in a private meeting, make it known to the law enforcement community, our people don't trust you. And so mm. to walk in the community with you 
is almost like a kiss of death. So what we prefer you to do is to stay on the perimeter. Let us go and deal with our people. And if we can't deal with them, then you can come in and do what you got to do. But I'm very careful about lining the peacekeepers up with the police department. And so because of that, then if it's a historical, like right now I just got a text that in Brooklyn and the Bronx, police officer just killed an unarmed man. Again, yes. they said by accident. They always say by accident. But then it's That's the, the youth time, that was running up the store, right, during the robbery? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So how could I, you know, be seen working with a department that is that is running rampant in the streets of New York on the stop and frisk? How, do I, how can I say to the community, we're working with them? Heck no. I mean, no, 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 no. And then most certainly we don't want them to take credit for any of the work we do. But there are some good men and good women in law enforcement. As the brothers that's on this radio with me, they know we know some of them. They have shown the nation of Islam and the Muslims great respect by every time we brought the minister to New York. They allowed the minister a police escort when we brought the minister to New York. They also assigned a detail to the minister. When the minister used to be over there on 119th Street, they would put a car right outside 24-7. Where did that come from? That came from the great work that we did to foster a relationship with those police officers who wanted to show respect to the citizens and show respect to what we're doing. And we built that relationship. Well, I can't say that relationship is the same since I've been gone. I can only say that there are police departments in certain cities that I have that relationship with their commander, and I will always speak highly of them. And there's some of them I wouldn't give two cents about. So it's a very touchy area, but I, I'm very conscious about it. And, 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 and at the same time, you know, we do need law enforcement in our community, but we don't need abusive law enforcement. So as the community begins to start solving its social problems, we start getting the respect of other people that's not from our community. Brother Captain, this is Brother James. Um, just want to say that it's, it is just so wonderful to have you on speaking in behalf of the peacekeepers and really um, enlightening us all about the activities and just what the uh, organization is all about. Uh, there are still callers on the line that want to uh, address you with questions. Um, but I want to say before we uh, bring some of the callers on the line, tell us, um, we, we talked about the relationship with uh, the peacekeepers in the community. We talked about the, uh, the peacekeepers and police. Um, now let's talk about the relationship between the peacekeepers and now with helpers and supporters that uh, will help want to help push this program further into more areas. Name some of the folks who are kind of being instrumental in bringing you into different areas and helping moving the peacekeepers along. I'm glad you mentioned that. We was reaching out. Everybody know I, I, I wanted to say this to the radio listening audience, and I must have to apologize in his behalf as he told me to. Russell wanted to get on the line, but he very seldom got an opportunity to spend time with his children. He flew out to L.A. I, I talked to him earlier today, and he's with his daughters, and they had planned an event and an outing. And he told me, he said, if the time, Captain, uh, does not conflict with the event and the outing I'll be with my girls, I would love. I got on, and Kimora Lee Simmons, she got on the phone and just 
showed me man love, and she told me, well, Captain, anything you want me to do with the peacekeepers, I'll come, I'll speak, I'll talk to the women, just tell me what you want to do. Russell's plan on moving to Los Angeles, and we don't have a peacekeeper chapter in L.A., so I told him, well, sister, when I get ready to come, I'm going to have you to, to give a shout-out, and, and I hope maybe uh, in the near future, and we don't want to discount to have Russell to come back on your station if it's okay, and if we can't get Russell, we're definitely going to get Kamara Lee Simmons on, 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 on this air. She said she would do it. But um, I have to say to the real listener who was expecting Russell, I'm absolutely sorry. We reached out several times. He told me if uh, he picks up, then he's not. I think he was taken up to a premiere show. But uh, uh, but believe me, he has nothing but mad love for y'all, and he wanted to be on, but he will make his word bond. He will come to these uh, airways in the very near future. So please forgive Russell for not. But to get back to your question, Brother yes. James, Russell was was probably the most uh, – he would have been the greatest financial support of the peacekeepers. If it was not for Russell, and everybody knows that I, I, I'm the personal security for Russell Simmons, he's a great friend of the most honorable minister for our God. When he came into – when the minister came to, to the U.N., uh, Russell gave the minister his penthouse for him and his whole detail to stay at. He had been instrumental in hiring many of the fruit of Islam – as it relates to security. But he brought me in to New York, him and Erica Ford, uh, about two years ago and at a peace week. And Russell said, listen, Captain, I want you to get a chapter started in Hollis, Queens. And so we got started and got a chapter in Queens. We wind up in that same year, got one in Brooklyn. In that same year, we got one in Mount Vernon. And we very much uh, just came back. So Russell has been one of our greatest supporters, Salt of Salt and Pepper. She is another peacekeeper and one of our greatest financiers. She is a female peacekeeper. She'll tell you in a minute, I am a peacekeeper. Dougie Fresh, we call him the ambassador of peace. Dougie Fresh is a peacekeeper. My man, Eric B., is a peacekeeper. Terrence Howard is a peacekeeper. And we have, uh, um, right now, we have uh, Wycliffe. Who's a peacekeeper? Of course, the greatest of all, he's not a peacekeeper, but he's the peacemaker. And my greatest, greatest, greatest of all, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, has been the greatest support of the work that we are doing. So we have many. We have Dr. Elisa, who's a peacekeeper. Bob Law is one of my co-founders who are peacekeeper. And it's, and, and it's just getting bigger. Right now, I'm coming into um, uh, Riverdale Beach, Florida, his name is Mayor Thomas Masters. He's Cora Masters' brother, who is the wife of D.C. Mayor, uh, Mayor Barry. And I just got off the phone with him. He's had six shootings. He's invited me into uh, um, Riverdale Beach, Florida. Uh, the end of this month, we will be going to start, hopefully, maybe our 20th chapter. He's excited about the peacekeeper, peacekeepers coming to Florida. They're already setting up uh, Tampa Beach, uh, Tampa, Florida, West Palm Beach, Florida. And so we look like we're getting ready to get strong in the state of Florida. Uh, we have Jay Prince and Rapid Loud Records, who's a great supporter of the peacekeepers. So we have a lot of people of influence that I know. Jim Brown 
is a supporter of the peacekeepers, and we just can go on and on. So well, these are the great supporters. Well, we we could tell that a good program attracts good people, and you know, um, in order for this thing to keep moving forward with the steam and the, uh, um, you know, uh, I guess the ver- the fervor that you got going on, brother, you're gonna need to keep adding fuel to the fire, brother. You know, uh, we want to be able to help you here at the Keys and maybe provide a forum for you to come on or the members of your um, of your organization to come on and talk about the peacekeepers from time to time. It may be even uh, expanded so that you can have a consistent voice uh, in this underground um, media, which is called Blog Talk Radio. So I just wanted to offer that to you publicly and let you know that there's still some callers out there. And those of you who are want to ask a question, I believe you can press 1, on your keypad, or just in, uh, inform the um, the brother who's at uh, uh, that's um, handling the phone calls that you'd like to speak with Captain Dennis and, and, and answer, ask him a question. Yeah. All right, brother Captain, um, we're going to take a small break and go to commercial. And at that time, when we come back, we're going to go through a series of questions from our listening audience. Yes, sir. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, sir. Brother. Thank you, sir. Brother. Engineer, are you there? Well, it seems like um, we're going to hold off on that commercial, and that's okay. We just keep on talking to Brother Dennis. He's got a lot to give us. And, uh, Brother Dennis, you know, one of the questions that I was um, thinking about is um, through this, this whole discussion about the crime and the peace and the the approach to it, what is the root of it? Where where is it coming from? Well, um, the root of, of of the violence. Is that the root of the violence, me? the crime, the the, the, the dissension of, in our community. Well, well, sister, let me say this. You know, there is no question when you see a decline in the economy in the economy, you see an increase in crime and violence. Um, When you see unemployment, you know, they took great pride to say that unemployment rose from 8.8% to 8.5%, but then it dropped 5, it dropped 8.5% in the black community. In other words, I mean, employment went up over over, I think they said over 200,000 jobs uh, about three months ago were put into the market. But out of the 200,000 jobs that was put in the market, there was only, there was no increase of us getting those jobs. So our condition in the black community has not changed. So any time you see a rise in unemployment, and there's always been something real with us, but now they used to say there's, a middle class. Well, I, I never knew that I was a middle class. I always thought it was poor people and rich people. I didn't know there was a middle class. And they used to ask me, well, what is the difference between the poor and the middle class? And the only difference between the poor and the middle class is one have a job and the other one don't. That's the only difference. Because as soon as you lose your job as a middle class, you're poor. So we are now seeing our – we are seeing – our people are in what they call their sister survival mode. 
And when you see people in survival mode, that means, dear sister, that we are at the lowest level of human existence. I'm going to say that again. When you are in survival mode, you're in the lowest level of human existence. That means we are on the level of beasts. And now we're living by the law of the jungle. Only the strong survives. And so we see this kind of beast attitude, the crime and the violence that you're seeing, not just in our community, but in America, you have never seen the likes of it. The black-on-black crime, the things that we are doing to one another, we have never done this to the degree that we're doing. This is the first time in history that you see the kind of increased violent crimes that black folks is perpetuating on black people, never in the annals of history. So what we're looking at, we're looking at God has now caused out what the minister told us. Now what we're looking at is the death angels. Our people have been the blessed people. Let me say this, dear sister. We're the only people that God has given us some of the greatest leaders in the world. Matter of fact, dear sister, the leaders that God gave us, they will be called prophets in other countries. Martin Luther King would be hailed as a prophet in another country. Malcolm X would have been hailed as a prophet in another country. Not only did God give us some of the greatest leaders in the world, but God gave us two to three great leaders in the same era. There is nowhere in history, if you look at greatness of people, do you see three great leaders in the same era. You'll see one great leader and one great opponent. At the same time, we had a Frederick Douglass, we had a Du Bois. At the same time, we had Elijah, we had a Marcus Garvey. At the same time, we had a Malcolm, we had a, 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 a Martin. At the same, if you take a look, so we have the people that had great leaders. Now, what have we done? What have we done? Have we advanced as a people, or have we lost over 20, 30, 40 years of advancement? And that means that we have not appreciated the leaders that God has given us. And if we have not appreciated the leaders that God has given us, then God must give us something else in return. And this is what you're seeing. You're seeing our people suffering from the rejection of great warners and prophets and messengers that have been sent to them. It is out of our rejection that if you reject peace, then you accept violence. If you reject life, then you're calling for death. So this is what we see, sister. We are no longer. So that's why we don't have the peacekeepers out at nighttime. When the Honorable Minister Farquhar said that he was going to take the FOI into the streets, I, I, I was at that FOI class, and our class is at 7.30. And I know that if we get out there at 7.30, about 8 o'clock it starts getting night. So I, I, I was able to reach out to the Honorable Minister Farquhar, and I said, Dear leader, I said, most of the violent crimes that hits national news, they didn't take place at nighttime. Most of the crimes that are taking place are taking place in the daytime. 
every national crime that got national attention took place in the daytime when it related to our community. So you don't get mad at the beast who's nocturnal, who hunts at night. That's the time he hunts. You don't get mad. But any time the beast comes from a night hunting to a day hunting, now that's a problem. That's a problem. When we start seeing our little young kids getting shot in the daytime, going to school, now that's a problem. So I don't have the peacekeepers out at nighttime. I leave the night for the savages. I leave the night for the beasts. I need the light for the death angels. Civilized people should be home in the bed, in their houses after 8 and 9 o'clock at night. Anybody that's out there after 9 o'clock at night, you are putting your life at risk and your family life at risk. So we don't have the peacekeepers out at nighttime. I leave the nighttime for the police, and I leave the nighttime for those agents of darkness that like night, the dark riders, the zombies. But in the meantime, civilized people should be home in the daytime. So we're out of day because that's when our children are out there. Our children's in the playground. Our children come home from school. Our children are out. So we're out there in the daytime. I leave the night for the savages. And that's where we at, sister. We got to go home and put the lamb's blood on our doorpost. What does the lamb blood mean? That means we have to live a life of a man that taught us the life of the Lamb of God, and we perceive that life to be the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. So the followers under the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, we tried to obey that man and his servant minister Farrakhan by living a decent life. We're not saying we're righteous, but we're trying to get as close as we can. So we are in the home at daytime excluding, excluding ourselves from the conduct of unrighteousness. And those of our people that are out there, as the scriptures say, you can hear the galing and the clashing of teeth. You can hear the cries in the middle of the night. You can hear the gunshots go off. And that's madness out there. So we are now in the, what we call the final days and the judgment of America and the judgment of the world. And I can only equate it to, sister, to it being the spiritual waters we're going on. Don't don't lose that point about the spiritual war. I want to come back to that because that's exactly what was on my mind when you were talking about the night. Um, we do have a caller from Virginia on the line. I believe his name is Taj. Taj, are yeah. you there? Yes, I am. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Waalaikumsalam. Uh, Brother Dennis, uh, I guess I'm one of the third generations. I was one of the soldiers under Brother Forrest when he was at Mosque Number 44 in Trenton. Oh, my goodness, yes, yes. <laughs> you, you see me as Tajuddin Shabazz. I'm on your Facebook list. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, um, yes, sir. Um, I'm thankful for your leadership and, and your, your sending um, Brother Forrest to Trenton and the training that I got from him. And the state of black America right now is, is in an uproar, and it's almost as if God never even visited us. That you know that's right. You know, you know that's right. But um, again, brother, keep doing what you're doing, and hey, I'm a peacekeeper down here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, in Virginia, where it all started in 1555. And brother Forrest and the sisters, they know I'm on here regularly. Whenever blog talk is on, I gotta come and bring some fire from Virginia. But when you come down to D.C. and Maryland, shoot down to Virginia also. Um, brother Kadir's in D.C. and brother Tracy is in Richmond. 
Well, I'll be honored, brother, to make sure I'm making my business come to Virginia. I like my brother Michael down there, brother Michael Muhammad. We got yes, a lot of family down in Virginia, so we'll be looking forward to that, dear brother. Yes, sir. And again, brothers, again, thank you for all that you have done and continue to do and will do. And may Allah continue to bless you and the panel. Thank you so much, sir. Yes, thank sir. you, brother Taj. Um, and also, we have uh, Spud from Far Rockaway. Spud, you on the air? Go ahead. Um, peace and blessings to all. How your family doing? Fine. Brother Fine brother. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm originally from South Jamaica, and I'm in Far Rockaway more than 25, 30 years. And I can't tell you about all the crime. I'm also um, an outreach worker from Operation Tanagra in Queens, and um, I want to invite you to come out here and stand, take a stand with me as we walk through the hood showing what unity and strength is, because without hope, it will be hopeless. Sometimes well, brother, I'll be brother so needs honest. backup. So yes, I, I know you backup do, to show, because show is how with an X. And hmm. talking is over. Um, That's right. You can't talk peace. You have, to, you have to live it. You have to show it. That's right. That's right. And you have to show right. where there's unity, there's strength. That's and right. And so... I need family to come and stand as backup with me to show numbers so we can show family how to be. Sometimes a man has to show what he is more than what he says. And actually, we'll be be honored to do that. We'll get brother, brother, there's many brothers out of Far Rockway that we know uh, that we'd be glad to connect with you, my brother. And uh, let's set a date and a time. I'm not in New York. I'm residing in uh, Columbus, Ohio right now, but I would make it my business that one day we will come and show that solidarity and unity with you and have the peacekeepers from that surrounding area to walk with you in Far Rockway and let us get a chapter in Far Rockway. We need need at least 50 to 60 men to join what you're doing and be present for peace. We don't mind that, brother. Well, wherever wherever there's us, there's also family. So That's just right. spreading the word of what it is to be family. Sometimes it doesn't matter what a man's status is. He needs to understand that what we're trying to do is show that uh, as a family, we need we need to be whole. And to be whole, how do you be happy when you're only concerned about the women and children, but you're not concerned about the men? So as a whole, we need to unify. But with That's right. Is, I thank you all for listening. And my brother Forrest, my brother Kane, you know, <laughs> Team Spud, man, for life. Okay? For blessing. Brother Spud, we with you, brother. We love you too, brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. I appreciate all well, of them. Well, thank, thank you for calling brother. in, brother. We'll be out yes. there in Far Rock. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. Okay. Now, before uh, Brother Spud came on, uh, we started talking, uh, well, we were listening to you, uh, Brother Captain, um, break down the the essence of the spiritual war. And I want to go back into that a bit because, you know, in the initial question of uh, what is the root of the problem, you know, how how did things escalate to this point? I'm going to leave it with you from there. Well, sister, you know, there's no question that I, I, I hate to, to, to get into um, religious discussions because, you know, we the nation 
are very passionate about the teachings of Mr. Elijah Muhammad and what he has taught us over these 80-plus uh, years. But there's no question that he told us there was going to come a dark day in America. He told us that America would one day fall. He told us of many of the things that we are really, really bearing witness right now. And I know that we are being very much uh, being guided by his servant, Minister Farrakhan. But I was just reading this the other day, dear sister, and it uh, it's in the book of Ephesians. And it talks about we're not warring against flesh and blood, but we're warring against the rulers of darkness, evil, the principality of evil and wickedness in high places. You know, so I was with, I had a chance to speak at the NAACP Regional Conference in New Orleans. I mean, not New Orleans, in in um, uh, Kansas City, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm sorry, Little Rock, Arkansas. And one of the things that we were sitting there was they had a great divide between the young who didn't feel that marching was you know, relevant today to the olds who felt it was through marching that they were able to gain many of the rights. And one of the things that I said when I mentioned to them about Dr. King, I said, well, you know, 44 years ago, we was warring against a Bull Connor, and we were fighting against attack dogs, and we were fighting against the racist mentality of those who did not want to recognize our civil rights, let alone recognize us as humans. I said, but we're not. And so Martin had to teach our people then to be nonviolent mm. to a people who was violent to us, which mm -hmm. was white people. Mm -hmm. I said, we was warned against them then. He was teaching us to love, to love who? Our enemy, who was our enemy. He was telling us to love white people who was showing their hatred to us. Now, 44 years later, we're not warring against white and flesh no more. We're warring against a principle. We're warring against unseen institution that has been established not only by white people, but is now being established in the hearts and minds of black people. So now, 44 years later, we got to teach black people to be nonviolent to black people. we got to teach black people to love one another. Mm. So 44 years later, we're warring against something different now. So if you think we're fighting racism, it's racism killing black people. That ain't racism that's killing. Does it have something to do with it? Yes, white supremacy has something to do with it. But we know black inferiority has something to do with it, too. That's right. So we have a people that lack love of self. We don't know nothing about who we are and what we are. We yes, are sir. now beginning to start acting as if we are in a situation where we are now beginning to look at that we are our worst enemy. So mm -hmm. now we thank Almighty God that we're wise enough to know it ain't about color no more. Because if we thinking, well, yo, here's my brother. Look at my brother. That's my black brother. And man, he the one gonna knock you in your head. That's right. It ain't right. about him now. You got to begin to know you dealing with a mindset. That's right. You dealing with wickedness now. 
in the princes of darkness. So we're dealing with institutional racism, mm-hmm. as Dr. Crassman is saying. We're dealing with a mindset. So you go to Walmart, and there's a policy when you go to return your stuff. And there's a Hispanic girl behind there. And you know the policy is geared towards black people. That's why they created the policy. But you mad. But here's a, a Hispanic girl who's, who's, who's just following an order of a policy, so you can't call her racist. But she's representing a racist mentality who created the policy. We're implementing a policy that is not us, but it's, a, it's an unseen hand and an unseen mind. So if we got rid of white folks today, he'd be back tomorrow because he's That's in right. us. Now, now brother Captain, at this point, we want to um, go to a commercial break, but when we come back, we want to talk about how to keep the peace in the home because that is also one of the root problems. we we got to catch it hell at home, so we just bring it out in the streets. So talk to yes, us and in the, in the, in our Keys family and the Peacekeeper family about how to produce the peace in the home, and then we'll close out and, and so forth. So let us go to another commercial break, short one. And uh, we'll come back to listen to uh, Mr. Yeah. Muhammad. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon 107.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. of the keys was brought to you by Rafika Consultants and Services LLC for the best consultants and services around make sure you find us on the web RCS LLC Nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushes, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. You know, 
that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other. We gotta come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Look, nobody's closing me out of my business. Because of serious economic times, there's been an increase of violence and crime. Most of its victims have been women and youth. There must be a collective effort for all of the grassroots organizations and social agencies to bring peace to these communities. Peace is the common denominator that allows us to transcend above religious, political, and racial differences. We also believe that peace is not just the absence of war or violence, but peace is the absence of conflict. All conflicts are not violent. We must work together as peacekeepers to eliminate these conflicts to create an environment of peace. I am present for peace. www.thepeacekeepers.org uh, We are back to the keys with our brother, the illustrious Captain Dennis Muhammad and the Peacekeepers. We thank you all for being on the line with us. And before we go any further, Your hostess, Sister Rafika Muhammad. I, w- I was going to intro that with, with some lyrics to that beautiful music, but Brother James, go ahead and I'll finish your point. I was saying that we have a man um, among men um, uh, with us today, and it is really important for us to understand how to reach out and uh, contact him if we want to help in the cause of the peacekeepers and that if we have an area of concern where we live at, where we work at, know that if we take the initiative to stand, be the first one to stand, brothers will come to your aid and help you by bringing peace, keeping peace, and making peace where you live and you work. So at any time, if you have a question, please feel free to ask that question to Captain Dennis and he will answer it now or at some other time. So I just wanted to make sure that we all know that he is open to our um, our suggestions and our questions. Thank and, you. And so the much. number to call in is area code 213-943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And if you have a question, make sure you push the number one on the number pad. And um, I, I'm going to jump right in. I know Brother James has got so much to say to you, Captain Dennis. It's like a reunion going on here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I um, wanted to make sure before we get to the end of the um, conversation, and it's been my experience that as we get about ten minutes before it's time to sign off, we get a hot caller with just this this question that reignites the whole energy. So... Before we get there today, I would like for you to talk a little bit about the Peacekeeper's Pledge. Oh, yes, sister. We we, we had to come up with a pledge because we took a pledge uh, during the Million um, Man March, and we tried to keep that pledge. You know, the first part of the pledge, he says, we pledge to respect and love ourselves and our fellow man. And then the second part is that we pledge to respect and protect all women, children, elderly, 
and our third-party pledge is that we pledge to commit no acts of violence on myself or others. And the fourth is we pledge to promote peace. We pledge to improve our community and promote peace. So help you, God. So help us, God. And that's just a generic pledge that any human being takes. It does not make you feel that you're giving up your religious belief, your political belief. It's just a great, great pledge. And I came up with that because I thought that we need to learn how to respect one another. But, you know, you must have self-respect first. And we need to learn how to protect our women, children, our seniors, and our community. We need not to commit acts of violence. Well, acts of violence is not just on others. Sometimes we commit acts of violence on ourselves. And we need to improve our communities and promote peace. So we had to end it with, so help us God. So we very, that's, that was the, that's the peacekeeper's pledge. And I make everybody take that pledge every time they become a peacekeeper sister. So there's a value in somebody um, enunciating or rating those points. And, and, and what is the value of that? Rather than just reading it from a piece of paper, they're, they're verbally speaking it. What's happening with that process? Well, it makes everyone, you know, look at themselves. It makes everyone say, hey, man, I, I, I have to, you know, we have to respect and protect ourselves. I mean, respect and, 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 and value other people. We have to learn to love ourselves. We need to, we need to respect our fellow man, you know. I mean, we're, we're not an isolated people. We live in a society with other people. We have to learn to get along. You know, the nation has taught us so much. And it has expanded my thinking. I'm not the same guy I was uh, 40 years ago when I joined the Nation of Islam. I'm 40 years in the Nation of Islam. I'm 33 of those years with the minister, mm-hmm. and I'm not the same guy. I mean, I've, my my. I mean, I'm. I see things so different now. I've grown. I mean, everything used to be white and black to me. You know, it was very white and black. I went over to London, England. Y'all know, you know, the minister sent me over to the UK. In 2000, 1999 to 2000 for a whole year, and man, I mean, I mean to go over there and to see interracial marriages. I mean, there's, I mean, interracial couples is real. I mean, you you see white and black together like it ain't nothing, you know. And I mean, I I turn up a, a, a frown face on it, you know. And then I had a chance to talk with this white woman one time, and I said, well, you know, I mean. And I come from America, and she said, well, the only racial problem there is the one that you bring. And I didn't know how much racism was such a point in our lives in America. Mm-hmm. It has been such a point in our life in America, we can't even see the value mm-hmm. of it nowhere else. And I, and I thought about that. Not that I'm saying interracial marriages is okay, but shit, we're dealing with reality today. And if we could begin to start seeing how... Uh, uh, Master Farah Muhammad, how he came to us, how Obama, how he came to us, then we're going to have to begin to move past our understanding of the things that limit us. We are our worst enemy. I want to get back to what Brother James said, how do we promote peace in the home? You know, it is very crucial because you're absolutely right. We are, the, 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 the community is only an extension of the home. If we had peace in the home, if we had order in the home, then out of the home of peace, out of the home of order, we bring into a community peace and order. But if we got chaos, mayhem, violence, and, and lack of order,
home, then you're going to find that in the community. We know, Sister, quoted this yesterday. I used to say 70% of the homes are here to buy a single parent with the one. They said, uh, can that change? 85% of the homes. I said, wow. So that means 85% of the homes in our community don't have a man. Do you know, man, that means we are a handicap. Our women are handicapped. If you lost a member of your body, your arm, you know, you can work with one arm, but it's not like having two. You can be, you can function, but you're not functioning. You're at a disadvantage. Well, we have become so normal in functioning without one another that we have accepted that to be normal. It's not normal for a man and woman not to, to be at odds with each other. You know, the sister, uh, 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 Sharada Ali says, we can get along as long as we laying down in the bed together. The man, the black man, the black woman can get along in the bed. It's when we stand up that we have a problem. Well, we got to move beyond that because there's reasons why there is a serious disproportionate number of men that are in prison. It's a reason why there is a disproportionate number of young males killing one another and the disproportion of women without a man, there's a real, real reason for that. And Mr. Elijah Muhammad gave us a teaching. And every man on this phone, from Brother James to Brother Jason to Brother Forrest to myself, we were some crazy Negroes in that street before we met Mr. Muhammad. We had no respect for women until we met Mr. Muhammad. Mr. Muhammad taught us to respect women. Mr. Muhammad made us train men to respect women. Women. Mr. Muhammad taught us to respect ourselves. So from that value, from that training, we begin to have a nice Muslim home, and from that Muslim home we had peace. Now the problem that we had was we did not transcend the peace that we had in our home into the streets. We failed as Muslims, and I will say this first, we failed as Muslims to create an environment in our community that was conducive to our practice. It is not civilized that a civilized man live next door to a savage and then wonder why he get his house broken into. It's not, it, it don't make sense. Civilized people have to create an environment for civilized people. And in that environment, you don't have savages. It's just that simple. But he, we are only people that we live in an environment with our savage, crazy brothers and sisters, and we wonder why we got madness in our neighborhood. Even in the military, they have what you call a green zone. In that green zone, it's safe for those military men. When America went in Iraq, she created what they call a green zone. That green zone is safe for our military personnel within this perimeter. It's safe in this perimeter. Now, outside that perimeter, that's a whole different story. We don't even have a perimeter. We don't have one block, one neighborhood, one community that we, the Muslims, in the nation of Islam, that have created that we can say it's safe for our women, safe for our children, and safe for our... We have failed in that area. We try to civilize our people, but we have yet to have made a, a, a beachhead where we can make our people say, you know what, I want to live over there where the Muslims at. Because look at here, girl, there ain't no crime and violence over there. Uh-uh, them kids can drop their bike in front of the house and that bike be there in the morning. Oh, that's where I want to live. Well, if you want to live among us, then you've got to begin to uh, 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 come out of your savage way. You can't live among us and still have a savage mentality. So we have to learn to be able to create that. And until we do that, and, and I want to say this, this is very passionate with me, because I'm at the point 
that when we have the peacekeepers in these communities, listen to me, the men and women who are peacekeepers, we go into the worst part of every city. We give one hour of our time. How long do you think I'm going to have the men and women who are peacekeepers in that community if that community don't come out of their houses and stand with us to make it safe? I refuse. I refuse to continue to have men and women who volunteer their time, put their life on the line to come in your neighborhood to be present for peace, but you won't even come out the house and stand with them. You see us coming and you on the porch drinking a beer, waving at us, hey, good to see you on my butt. If mm. you don't come out here and help us to make your community safe, then we pull it out, and then we're going to go into a community that don't have crime and violence, and we're going to set up a perimeter because every bad community was once a good community that had gone bad. So what we're going to do, we're going to contain this community. We're going to say, you know what, this member of our body has gangrene, and then we're going to just have to disconnect it from the bigger body. The scriptures say, if your right eye offend you, then pluck it out, for it's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. We have to come to that point where there's some parts of our community we cannot save. We're going to have to throw in the towel, say we lost this, the fires, let's contain it, make sure it don't leave this area, and put up a perimeter and say violence and crime will not come here, and we're going to die to make sure to have it. When we're willing to do that, then we would eradicate crime and violence. I'm sorry, I get passionate well, on that. Um, Captain Dennis, that, that passion is, is, is exactly what I was talking about was going to happen as we got towards the end of the show. But you know what, you're right. You have to pull that thorn out of that lion's paw, you know, to calm that lion, you know. We got some some comments in the chat room that I want to share with you. Uh, one is that, uh, and I don't know the names of these people, so I'm just going to read the comment. Uh, people may not know this, but in New York, it was the FOI that patrolled the streets in the community um, in, against racist police and criminal element. That was back in the 70s, right on. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Yes, yes. But the brothers are back now, and, and you're there, and, and other organizations are building other movements, and I think we're going to see um, some change um, in the way that people look at us in terms of how we're helping to clean up our um, communities. Well, you know, we don't brag about we don't brag about how we had to whoop New York's finest when they ran up in our mosque on Fifth Avenue. Nor do we brag about how they ran up in the mosque in 1972 on 116th Street and the brothers had to handle that business then. We don't brag about this. Some people would brag about it. We don't make make light of our conflict with law enforcement. But if there's one thing we know, you know the Muslims are the nation of Islam. We're the only one that can whoop the New York police butt and still get their respect. You tell me an organization ever did that. When they ran up in that mosque right up there on Fifth Avenue, their brothers, the fruit of Islam, are number seven, handled that business. And to this day, they respect us. Am I right, soldiers? Yes, sir. We don't, oh, we yes, don't sir. brag about it. We don't Absolutely. brag about it. Absolutely. That is something we don't brag about. They, they you know, we did it and handle it. Mm-mm-mm. Well, bro- Brother Fraz, do we have another caller online that would like to ask uh, um, Brother Captain Dennis a question? Yes, sir. Uh, seven, seven zero four. Here we go. Seven zero four. You are live. You can ask your question, please. Seven zero four. Um, Distinction 933. We only go out to a whole number across the country. Yeah, you on live? How you doing? This is uh, Jesse Leach. Okay, but are, are you there? Yes, Jesse, we're here. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. Um, 
My son, his name is uh, Astel Izam Ali Leach, and he was arrested. He was arrested on August the sixth. Uh, he's uh, by trade. He's a blacksmith. He makes knives, buys knives, sells knives, and trade knives. This is his profession. But on August the sixth, he left out. He's nineteen years years old, young, by the way, and he left out. Um, about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, he greeted my son Elohim, told him he was going to uh, sell his knives at a pawn shop so he could, uh, you know, help out with the bills. Now, prior to that, he told me that, you know, told me about about a month before that, you know, that's what he had in mind. I told him to take his stuff and go ahead and sell it, you know, and uh, help himself out with his crafts and, you know, his arts and things like that that he liked to do because he's also into writing uh, animation books and stuff like that. But anyway, um, they have in the paper approximately 4 o'clock, they arrested my son and said that uh, he had an incendiary and the bomb squad had to be called, you know, to uh, defuse the incendiary. And uh, we worried all that day, on all that day, what happened to our son, what happened to our son, uh, just, you know, and then they get to the point where it's that you go looking for them and then they get to the point where it's that, you know, how the panic set in when your child is not home and then you know in 19 years your child have always been there. And after we going through the little tears all night, all night, you know, because you, you don't even rest, you don't get any rest. The next day about 10, 10 11 o'clock, uh, Investigator Roth comes to the house showing me a picture of my son and asking me, was that my son? I said, yes, that's my son. Is this his bicycle? I said, yes, this is his bicycle. He had, you know, and we got two more like it in the truck. And and uh, I said, because me and my son, Ilahim, we had drove around, and then we'd get out and get on the bikes, and we was looking for him because that was out of, the ordinary, out of the ordinary for him to be gone like that. Anyway, they said they have him. They say he had a bomb. And I said, a bomb? I said, man, what do you mean a bomb? He said, well, it was matches inside of a tennis ball. And and he was on the third, and we put him on a thirty thousand dollar bond. And I told him, I said, man, that's not a bomb. I said we made that around the fourth of July, looking at a project on YouTube, and uh, you know we had that. And I said, and there's no dangerous than fireworks that you can buy at the south of the border. He's like, well, sir, we're we're not in South Carolina. You know, we're in North Carolina. He gave that talk right there. So then. Um, my son Elohim, he came out and he showed him videos and stuff like that to show him that, you know, we do positive things. We go around, we recite positive poetry, we active in the community, we give away food, we build parks for, you know, community, uh, poverty-stricken communities, you know, the, the, you know, the ghetto or the hood, you know, because that's what that's, we love. We have a love for our people, so we do for people. You understand? And here it is. Now he go out here. And he's look, looking to do something good, and then he gets lost because my children are homeschooled, and he never stayed away from home one day, one night in his whole life. And so, of course, we only been here since October 11th last year. We don't barely know our way around Kannapolis and Rowan County, North Carolina. But anyway, he gets lost on his bike and, and start cramping up because he's riding one of this. Uh, it's a chopper. He's riding a chopper bike, and. He started cramping up, pull on, sit on the side of the road. A guy in the green car come and ask him what's wrong, and he said, uh, "You know, can you call the police for me?" He said, "Because I can't remember my my number at home." He said, "Can you call the police for me and ask the police, 
can they take me home? And if they can't take me home, let me sit at the station until I get myself together, you know, because I don't want to be out here like that. Now, what he had in his possession was his knives he was taking to the pawn shop. Some he made, some he uh, shopping, and some he bought and traded, but he was taking his collection to the pawn shop. Now, those that didn't fit in the backpack, along with his uh, Nintendo, Nintendo DSi, and his uh, laptop and his projector where he do project, or the whole family, we do projectories. But anyway, the knives that didn't fit in the backpack, he had taped them in black tape on this bicycle. And instead, they come, they come with EMS, and they come with the police, and then they start automatically seeing the knives. Forget all about the fact that he has been riding all this time. He has been dehydrated. He's in pain, and he's the one that called the police. They started uh, started grabbing his hand, he said, because, as a matter of fact, I went to see him today, and I had asked him again about why are they saying that you put your hand on the knife. And he well, said, Brother Daddy, Jesse, he said, uh, Brother me. Jesse, I, I, this is so important that I really don't want to rush you, but I just want you to be mindful that we only have about a minute left, and I That's don't want you to get cut off. That's why I wanted to call in when I had more time, yeah. Yes, sir. But if you can um, just relate to Captain Dennis, where you're at, so maybe you can connect with him after the show, then maybe okay, that good. would better facilitate what you need. Good, good. Okay, well, let me give out my phone number first. Mm-hmm. Um, my, pho- my Jesse, phone number? Excuse we don't We don't recommend that you give it over the, over the air. Um, okay. Go back into the Facebook and put it in the chat room, and I'll make sure that... Um, Captain Dennis gets your number, and if you could give out your website, I know that you mentioned in, in the other show that there, there is a website where people can find information about your son who is still incarcerated for this um, alleged bomb that he yes. had. Yes, and they're also calling him a terrorist as well now, because they said that he was his intention was to blow up the convention party. You know, so do you uh, have with, a do you do you have a website? Um, yes, Jesse? Jesse Leach. Just just go on to Facebook, Jesse Leach. Jesse Lee, can you know that last L E C H, the same one that you're on with, with me on uh, on chat. Okay, Jesse, thank you for calling in, and we'll talk again. Okay, thank you. Uh, Captain Dennis, we are so honored, and we're gonna reserve the right to bring you back to talk further with us about the um, to keep us updated on what's happening with the key peacekeepers in the community, and um, Brother Leroy. Is the one next He's going to be talking to um, Ralph Schumann About the real deal With 9-11 So tune in at, at, at uh, 7pm Well thank you so much Thank y'all Thank y'all Thank y'all For giving me this great honor I love y'all Keep doing the great work you're doing And I'll come in Anytime you want me to come on I'm on it, and I would like for this to be the peacekeepers uh, station that the peacekeepers around the country can come on and, and let you know the great work they're doing in their city. Well, we're going to take your advice with the one hour of our time, and we've got a couple of hours that we can donate one hour to the Peacekeepers Global Initiative. Check out the website, www.peacekeepersglobalinitiative.com. Get involved, roll up your sleeves, be trained. And be active. I am. Oh, it's dot, it's dot org. It's dot org. Oh, it's dot org. Dot org. 
Okay, we here stop talking. I want you to just remain in in, in the um in the room for a few yeah. minutes. Don't hang up the phone once we're off the air. And I know it's so rude to be talking over Jenny Cliff, but sometimes you know you just have something to say. <laughs> well, this is the key: love, peace, and happiness. To next weekend, family. God bless. Oh, God.